Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you feel any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you as singing. The sorrows for the appointed feast I will remove from you. They are a burden and a reproach to you. At that time I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame and gather those who have been scattered. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they were put to shame. At that time I will gather you. At that time I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Thanks, Mike. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And uh, it's great to celebrate joy today. Today, you might have noticed that we, first two weeks, we light the blue candles for hope, and today we lighted the pink candle. It's the color for joy, right? That... Uh, the good news of great joy that the angel announced to the shepherds is ours as we prepare a place for Christ to come again, and so we, we anticipate just a, a very joyous season. You know, joy is part of our fabric, even of, of our citizenry here in the United States. If you go back to 1776, our Declaration of Independence, we, uh, we, we read these words. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Indeed, it is the happiest time of the year, and we are to be happy. And yet, why is it then, if our unalienable right is to pursue happiness, why is it that so few people find it? Why, after 241 and a half years of history, of progress in the United States, why haven't we made more headway in capturing this elusive goal of being happy? The Lord knows, especially at this time of year, that that's our desire. We want our, ha our, our families to be happy, and so we, we, we do all sorts of things that we don't normally do during the year. We put up happy lights and happy trees. We, we buy happy gifts, and we exchange these gifts. Uh, we sing lots of different carols, and, and, and just a, it's a great time of the year, isn't it? You know, in our search for happiness, per, perhaps the key word that, that we miss out on is that word pursuit. Do you know what to pursue something means? If you look it up in the dictionary, to pursue uh, means to seek to attain to strive for, to work, to acquire. And so when it comes to happiness, we're always straining and, and searching and trying to grab a hold of this elusive thing that we call happiness or joy. How do we seek to find it? Well, a lot of times we, we think we need to pursue certain things before we can have joy. Uh, after my wife and I were newlyweds 40 years ago, uh, we had our hearts set on a new recliner for our small little apartment, and it was orange. I still remember the color. Back in the 70s, that was a big deal, orange-colored uh, uh, furniture. 
And so we, we scrimped and we saved and we bought this really nice recliner and both of us sat in it and we looked at each other and we go, hmm, I guess we, we could be happy now, right? But be honest, we've all had that before where if we could just, you know, when I was 16, I, I saw everyone else who got their driver's license had a car and I didn't have a car. I thought if I could just have a car, boy, I'd be happy. But if it's not that, it's something else, isn't it? And if it's not a thing, sometimes we think that, that it, the right relationship or the right person would make me happy. And it's not just those who are young and want to be in love and all that kind of stuff. But it's those of us who are older. We, we complain about how so-and-so doesn't like us or they're not friendly with us. And so we get on that merry-go-round as well. Or sometimes we see our happiness as always being out there. You know, when... We've got college kids home. Oh, won't it be, when I graduate, then I can really be happy. And then you get your first job and you say, boy, I, I, I'm looking for the next job and then I'll be happy. And then it's if, if I can get married and then if I can have kids, boy, wouldn't it be nice to have a family? And then once you have a family, you say, won't it be nice when the kids leave and we're empty nesters? <laughs> you know, it's, it's always something that's out there. When my ship comes in, then I'll be happy. Well, today we have an Advent encounter with one of the Old Testament prophets. His name is Zephaniah. And it's only three chapters long. If, if you have a chance, go home and read this short little book in the Old Testament, this minor prophet. And toward the end of, of the book that he writes, we have these words that you heard about joy. And it's, it's a different kind of happiness or joy that he talks about here. Listen to the words again. Oh, sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice. With not just some of your heart, but with all your heart. For the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Friends, this is a picture of joy that is different than the pursuit of happiness that we find ourselves here as citizens of the United States as being part of. This kind of joy is not something that you can acquire. It's not something that you can work for or strive for. This kind of joy, we are told from Scripture, is a gift. It's a gift that's centered in what God does for us, not what we can either do for ourselves or what we can earn. As we look at these words from Zephaniah, you know, you might think, oh, these are just some more words of sentimental slop that we have at Christmas, that, that, that when things are going so well, you know, we, we, we have this merry, pleasant time when everything's going all right, then we can have true joy. That's when we can be happy. No, this is nothing, there's not sentimental about this prophet. Zephaniah says these words in the midst of some of the most difficult times that God's people have ever experienced. In fact, if you read the two chapters before this, you, you find what is going on. And if you look at history, he, he, is, he is prophesying at the same time as Isaiah. And at that time, there was the divided kingdom between the north and the south, and many of the kings and rulers were corrupt, and the people had turned away from God, and God announces judgment. He says, I will sweep away everything from the face of the earth. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all who live in Jerusalem. I will cut off man from the face of the earth. The whole earth will be consumed by the fire of my jealous anger. Does that sound like a happy time? No, it was terrible. There was famine. They experienced earthquakes. 
They were about to be completely annihilated by the Babylonians. They were trusting in themselves and not God. And so how in the world could Zephaniah write about joy, about rejoicing? And not only that we overflow with rejoicing, but that God looks at you and he finds joy in you. How could this be true? The joy that we see in Scripture is, again, a gift. It's as a result of God's power and His presence in your life. And so, as we look at this, we even see that so much alive in the New Testament, too. You go to to places like the book of Philippians. And the Philippians, by the Apostle Paul, the church to, to the believers at Philippi, and as he writes to them, it's only four chapters. There's 19 times he uses the word joy or rejoicing. How could that be? Paul's writing from prison. He's, he's suffering from all these physical ailments, and yet he can say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Or, or you take the epistle that's appointed for this day to the Th- Thessalonians. And we believe that this was the most persecuted church in the first century in the Macedonian area of Greece. And yet the Apostle Paul could say, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in every situation, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, when it comes right down to it, when we look at Scripture, our joy is not because of the absence of something bad. It's not because you don't have sorrow. It's not because there's no grief in your life. It's not because everything is working out perfect. Your joy that you have is a result of what God has done for you. It's about Him and His grace for you. You know, sentimental visions of Christmas joy ask us to believe that true joy involves involves having the perfect circumstances. You buy the perfect gifts, you receive the perfect gifts. You have the perfect tree, you have the perfect relationships. Let me know when that happens for you, okay? Because we live on this side of heaven. Now, you would never believe that if you watch Hallmark Christmas movies. Uh, You want to know one of the secrets of staying married for 40 years? You let your wife control the TV. And so she likes these Hallmark movies, and uh, if you've seen one, my friends, you've, you've seen them all, because, because problems always seem to get resolved, don't they? There's always bad situations that starts with, old enemies soon become friends, true love takes place just in time to celebrate Christmas, and then you sit there and you go, oh. And yet that's not reality, is it? In fact, our lives are more like the way the prophet puts it. In Zephaniah chapter 1, he says that our days will be full of trouble and ruin, darkness and gloom, clouds and blackness. So you consider how isolated the pursuit of joy, this seeking, this working for joy, but what, how does it make you feel? While everything may be perfect for you, which I don't believe, there are many others right now who feel so distant from this pursuit of joy at this time of year. Some of you are going through a difficult time of grief. You've lost a loved one. Some of you have experienced bad news with regards to either your health or the health of your loved ones. 
whether it's cancer or heart disease or old age and Alzheimer's and lots of other things that can happen as a result of maybe some broken relationships, you're experiencing a very difficult time. Or maybe it's related to your job. You know, when you go to a Christmas gathering, no one wants to hear about that stuff. They don't want to talk about that. But it's real, isn't it? I have found that so many people, even Christians, remain silent about what's happening in their lives, and they often suffer alone. And people, disciples here at Cornerstone, can even feel distanced from their church, as if their sorrow doesn't matter and should not be seen, and their voice is not heard, and they don't feel like they belong, and so they just stay away from church. They have such a difficult time really singing joy to the world with meaning because of the world's definition of happiness and the pursuit of it, that you're you're always working and straining to be fulfilled and it never quite takes place. And that's why it's possible for all of us, for any of us to fail miserably when it comes to obtaining the pursuit of happiness. And yet, friends, we are here today to light the pink candle, because our God is a God of rejoicing. Our God is a God of joy, and it's a joy that doesn't come from the pursuit for searching for, for working for, for straining for. It's our joy that is a gift that comes from God, and it's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about what God has already done for you and continues to do for you, not just today, but eternally. That's why the prophet in chapter 314 in our text says, Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. He says, For the Lord has taken away your punishment. So let's fast forward to the New Testament. The Lord has taken away your punishment. Isn't that what we're about to celebrate in Jesus and his birth? That's the reason that Jesus came. You are to give him the name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. And sure enough, the word became flesh. Jesus became one of us and lived just like you and me, except for one big difference. He lived perfectly the life that we could not live, sinless. And not only then did he live a sinless life on our behalf, but then when he was about 33 years old, he took the sins of the whole world. He could do that as true God and true man. He took it upon himself where he suffered the punishment for our sins, where the fulfillment of this prophecy of Zephaniah prophecy came true. And that's why Zephaniah can proclaim, the Lord is with you. He is mighty to save. Because not only did he then die for us, but he rose again on the third day in the might and the strength and the power of God. And that's why for us as Christians, this is such a joyful time of the year. You know, when we think of Christmas, we often talk about keeping Christ in Christmas. Because these are are not holiday trees. What What do we call them? Christmas trees, right? And and because of what God has done for us in Jesus, when we greet one another, we don't just have to say, it's okay to say happy holidays, but we can even say Merry Christmas, right? We want to keep Christ in Christmas. And I understand how important that is. But friends, there's something more important than even that. More important than keeping Christ in Christmas 
is to keep Christ in Christians, to keep Christ in us, because that's where our joy is. It's not just in the frills of Christmas and how we greet one another or what kind of trees or lights we have. It's about Jesus in our hearts and in our lives as our Savior, as the Prince of Peace. And that's why when Jesus is at the center of your life, things change. We understand that even though we face difficulties and hardship and trials and disappointment, even though things will not work out the way that you have in your mind this Christmas, you understand that Christ is with you. That as his child, God rejoices over you. That's what the text says. He says, and, and, and since you have a, a right relationship with him, you know that his grace will always be sufficient for you. Always. And that fact enables you to trust him and to know that he is in your life and that nothing can pull you away from him. When Christ is central, he delivers you and me from this preoccupation with things or even other people. Our joy doesn't need to be dependent on how much we have or we don't have. Our joy doesn't need to be dependent on who likes me. Our joy is all about Jesus and his love for me. And what we find is that as his love fills our hearts and our lives, it it soon begins to bubble up and overflow. And instead of saying, what's going to make me happy in my pursuit of happiness, we start asking about what I can do for others. How can I bring joy to other people? How can I be generous? How can I give the way that God has given to me? When Christ is central, our fears are calmed regarding the future. When we look ahead, instead of worrying, instead of being stressed out, we find contentment in knowing that God is in control. In the words of our text, we take comfort in the fact, it says, Zephaniah, he will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. Isn't that what we need this Christmas most of all? Quiet with his love, stillness, peace in our hearts. And it says he will then rejoice over you. God is rejoicing over you this very moment. And so it's good that we light the pink candle, don't you think? The candle of joy. That we find joy in Jesus, our Savior, and as a result, it's the happiest time of the year. May Jesus be central to you, though. And may we get ready to hear that message once again of the angel. Just as he announced to the shepherds, he comes to you and me, and he says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great Joy. joy, which will be for you and for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So you don't have to pursue Him. You don't have to pursue that kind of joy. What a wonderful gift He is for you once again this year. May we celebrate, find our joy in Him. Amen?